Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. We must be careful that we hold the sacred things of God sacred. Amen. Holiness still matters. Amen. The blood of Jesus still matters. I'm not willing to talk those things away and desecrate what God calls holy just because the world doesn't value it the same way as we value it. Somebody explain to you what something in the Word of God means. If you want somebody to explain to you the writings that are on the wall, you better make sure it's a praying man or a praying woman, somebody that has a relationship with God. Don't you go out there and find some book someplace. Don't you look for it on the internet someplace. You find a man who will preach you the truth whether you like it or not. You find a man that's anointed. You find a man that is prayerful. You find a man that has the power of God moving upon his life. The Lord gave me this message yesterday evening. Just a thought that before the morning was over it turned into a message and Brother Jones gave us such a great lesson this morning on humility what a man John was (laughs) he had quite the following but he knew he knew that he was not there to compete with Jesus that he was there to set the ministry of Jesus up and that's why he said there comes one after me I'm not even worthy to Pin down and tie his shoes for him. A man that had people that respected him. But he was more in love with truth and with the spirit that was upon him than he was with any kind of fame or fortune that he could he could find himself wrapped up in while he lived on this earth. The Lord gave me also a message this morning about a story that, to my recollection, I've never preached on before, and it also has to do with pride, but it's the other side of pride. Pride was the original sin. Most other sins in some way, shape, or form stem from the sin of pride. It was pride that caused the beautiful angel Lucifer to look upon himself and say, you know what, I don't think I need God anymore. I think I can do this on my own. Only to find out, the Bible says, in an instant that everything could change so very rapidly. How quickly it did change for him. I I don't want this message to come across harsh at all, but I feel an urgency in my spirit to deliver it to you today man the time of the scripture that I'm reading this morning is Daniel's Daniel's life we're reading out of the book of Daniel and Daniel is a Hebrew and the Hebrews are in captivity Um, they've Jerusalem has been overthrown And the king of Babylon has taken Daniel and 
some of the choice men, young men of the Hebrews, and taking them back to Babylon, and Daniel's now there in captivity. But Daniel's a special young man, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and probably many of the others that go unnamed were. And uh, during the reign of Daniel, there were three kings, and Nebuchadnezzar started off, and then due to circumstance that I'll relate to you just a little bit later, Belshazzar took over, and then after Belshazzar, King Darius. But they were in Babylon, and Babylon was a place to be. You know, we've got things in the world now. Everybody wants to go to Hawaii or everybody wants to go to wherever it is that, you know, where everything is happening. Maybe Washington, D.C. You'd like to go to Washington and see the capital where, you know, our, our country was founded. There's so much history there. There's so much learned, things to be learned and things to see. And that was Babylon at the time. It had the Hanging Gardens it was the center of culture and learning. Dan, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were there and they had been schooled for three years so that they could serve in the court of the king under the Babylonian rule. If you'd like to stand, I want to read for you Daniel chapter 5, verse 1 through 7 today. The second king, Belshazzar, is the now ruling king. Nebuchadnezzar has uh, slipped off the scene. Things are going well. And Belshazzar is having a good time. His day started off happy. He woke up with a smile because this was the day of the feast, this was the day of the party. This was the day that he was going to get to show off what he had a little bit and what he had accomplished and what his kingdom was made of. Verse 1 says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. This is back when they overthrew Jerusalem. They took everything of value out of the temple where the Jewish people worshiped God. And so these vessels were not just your average vessels, but they were vessels that had been used in worship to the one true living God in the temple in Jerusalem that the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wife and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone, not the one true living God of the Hebrews, but they used the, the vessels of honor 
in a dishonorable way to worship other gods, false gods. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed. His smile disappeared. His joyous mood was gone. His spirit of festivity lay in waste. His countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so much so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against the other. Now, I've been scared before, but I've never been so scared that my knees knocked. You couldn't see that, could you? I was behind the pole. Not very kingly. Not a royal move. You couldn't fake that into a dance of some sort. and Play it off. Everybody knew he was scared. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Think about it. If you can tell me what this means, because the hand that was writing on the wall, the writing that was there was foreign to Belshazzar. He couldn't understand it and he couldn't read it. He needed an interpretation. I just want to preach to you for the time God allows us to be together this morning on this subject, the writings on the wall. The writings on the wall. Why don't you lay your Bibles down? Let's pray that the Lord just continues to move in this place through his message. I don't know what he has in store, but somebody needs to hear this word this morning. Somebody needs to hear this word this morning. Hallelujah. Lord God, we thank you for your presence that's been in this place. Anoint your word, God. Anoint our spirits to hear your word in the name of Jesus. We praise you. We thank you, God. We give you glory and honor for what you've already done. But you're not finished, God. There's still something that you want to accomplish in us today. Use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands one more time to the Lord in this place? Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated today. Whether we realize it or not, uh, there are a lot of sayings that we have that have originated with scriptures that are found in the Bible. You may have heard somebody look at somebody that uh, is very thin and say they're nothing but skin and bones or maybe they were sick. You visited them in the hospital and they had lost a lot of weight. Somebody said, well, how were they? They said, well, they're nothing but skin and bones. That is a saying that we have that actually came from the book of Job in the 19th chapter. Other sayings like uh, nothing but a drop in the bucket comes from a scripture that we find in Isaiah chapter 40. You may have heard a, a saying, don't put words in my mouth. 
you know, when somebody's come up and they say they 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 think that they uh, know what you're going to say, and so they answer for you. Have you ever had somebody like that in your life? And, and you say, whoa, whoa, wait, just a second here. That's not what I was going to say. Don't be putting words into my mouth. Don't be able to say, try to say what I'm going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say. That comes from 2 Samuel, where Joab put the words in the woman's mouth. Uh, another saying is, at my wit's end. Or how about, it's the, at the root of the matter. Or if I were you, I'd wash my hands of the matter. These are sayings that we have adopted through the courses of time that stem from scriptures where we go back to certain places and people have made a statement that has stuck with us and we have, we have developed a society around it or sayings around it. And so we say these different sayings and they go all the way back to biblical times. And, and so here we are with another place in the Bible. It doesn't get preached about that often, uh, but what's taking place is Daniel the prophet has been summoned in to interpret this miraculous writing upon the wall by this hand of God that has come into this place, and it has, it has written something on the wall, this uh, ghostly figure uh, of sorts, so to speak, that would probably shock any of us. I, I guarantee you that today... I have probably most of your attention, but I would lose it very rapidly if suddenly along the wall in this sanctuary there would appear a hand and it would begin to write on the wall. It wouldn't matter if I commanded your attention or said, wait, wait, keep looking at me. Nobody's going to be paying attention to me. You're going to pay attention to the hand that is writing on the wall. Daniel is in the midst of interpreting the words that Belshazzar and none of his friends can understand. He's in the midst of telling them what was written on the wall. And this is where we get our saying, the handwriting is on the wall. We typically say that when we can see in somebody's life disaster is about ready to befall them. They've made a series of bad choices, or maybe uh, now they're at the place uh, where they you you hear, uh, well, they lost their job last week, or they got fired, or they this happened, or that happened, uh, and you say, well, the handwriting was on the wall. Why do you say that? You say that because you, you look at their life, and you can see the series of choices that they've made, and you can conclude that they are heading toward disaster. And so you say the handwriting is on the wall. The day started out so well for the king. He was going to have a big party, and he invited a thousand. Now, it's something when, when I have a party, you know, my 50th birthday party, you know, a bunch of you all gathered in, surprised me. We had some folks at my house that surprised me, but, but I did not have a thousand uh, people birthday party. I have never been to a party where a thousand people have come out for me. Uh, but Belshazzar, he decided to have a thousand people come out to his party, and it wasn't just your average attendee. It was all of the lords. It was the big wigs. It was the movers and and the shakers uh, to come and have the time of their lives with him. And after all, wasn't Babylon the place to come for entertainment? Wasn't Babylon the place that everybody wanted to be? And so he invited them all out to come and see and partake of everything that we have 
built on everything that we have to offer. Babylon was fantastic. And Belshazzar was its king. Now, I could be wrong, and you could debate me on this, and which wouldn't work because I wouldn't debate you back. I would just say, well, that, it's left open to opinion. So I'm going to say it right now. I could be wrong on this. But I believe that the party most likely would have gone on without interruption from God except for one thing to be that led to be fatal for Mr. Belshazzar. There was one thing that he did where he crossed a line. One thing that he did that, that, that he should have never done. He, he got a little too full of himself, a little ahead of himself. It's, it's one thing when you're eating with family. Now, when, when the kids come over uh, for Tuesday night meals a lot of times, my wife will often uh, sometimes... Um, break out the nice place, but, but there's other times when they come over and it's just barbecue or it's just something kind of easy or whatever. And she'll say, is paper plates okay? Everybody okay with paper plates? And, and, and we'll break out the paper plates. But I guarantee you that if we were having some big name, high society person that was coming to our house, uh, or it wouldn't even have to be that. It could just be somebody that doesn't typically come, somebody more than just the casual stoppers by and the kids, somebody that, that uh, maybe we're a little bit more worried about how we present things, that we would not be putting paper plates out on our dinner table. It would be the nicer place. Now, we don't have any china or anything like that. We don't have any expensive stuff. There's no silverware in our home. But we have a nice place setting, and my wife will put out the nice stuff. And I believe that this is what was going through Belshazzar's mind. He's like, I'm not just having the fam over for dinner tonight. I'm having the big wigs. And, and these people know what high society living is. I, it's not going to be easy to impress them. They come from royalty. They come from nice homes. And they have nice things. So why don't we just step up our game just a little bit here? He should have known better. But some people don't learn by watching the mistakes of their predecessors. And this was Belshazzar's problem. He should have learned from his father the great mistake of pride. Amen. For it was his father, Nebuchadnezzar, that lifted himself up in pride and stood and looked around and said, Look at everything that I've done. Look at everything that I've built. Look at everything that I've accomplished. And he spent the next seven years out grazing grass in the fields like a wild animal and his hair grew long and his nails grew long and it was seven long years that that man lost his mind and he found out very quickly that pride really does come before a fall. If anybody should have understood the dangers of pride it should have been Belshazzar. His father had seen firsthand how much he needed God. But somehow he thought he was untouchable. I'm amazed at people that repeat the same problems that their parents had. You know, the generational curses are a real thing. 
generational problems are a real thing. Generational addictions are, are a real thing. There is such a power of looking and seeing what your father or your mother did or the generations before you. There is a great power in that. But I can tell you right now, don't make the same mistakes as your mama made. Don't make the same mistakes as your daddy made. Amen. Be smart enough to stand up and live for God even if they're not living for God. You don't let the pride of your own life cause you to follow in the footsteps of their failure. Belshazzar looks around him. He looks at everything that he has. He's living in the Mecca of society. There's nothing that he doesn't have. There's nothing that anybody else has that he doesn't have or he can't get his hands on because he's living in the prime of his life and he's living in the prime of the world. Everybody wants to be like him in his mind. He looks around and he says, bring out the gold and the silver cups that were used in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And what had been sacred vessels used to worship God by God's people were being desecrated and used to worship false gods. You hear me right now. We must be careful how we handle the sacred things of God. There are people all around us that go off in different directions and they get comfortable. Oh, they get comfortable. They know where that came from. That came from grandpa and grandpa was a praying man or that came from that old little, that, that little white church up on the hill that used to love God and worship God and they can still remember as a child but somehow along the way the sacred things don't seem so sacred anymore. They've been tucked away for a while now. Nobody's really cared for them. Maybe it's time to bring them out and we'll flaunt them to our friends every once in a while but we must be careful that we hold the sacred things of God sacred amen holiness still matters amen the blood of Jesus still matters I'm not willing to toss those things away and desecrate what God calls holy just because the world doesn't value it the same way as we value it It was at that moment that God decided that he had had enough. That Belshazzar had crossed the line. Go on and party if you want to. Live the life that you want to live. Go ahead and have your friends and think highly of yourself. But you begin to play around with the sacred things and you're going to run into trouble very quickly because God has a way of looking at us and God has a way of keeping us and God has a way of putting his hand upon us as long as we are living for him. But if we begin to disregard the sacred and the holy, God will come down and God can create in us a problem that will cause us to lose our mind. Right in the midst of the feast, 
right in the middle of the drinking and the laughing and the festivities, and they probably had jugglers and entertainment going on and singers and different things, and everybody was in their fine attire, and everybody was presenting their best, and, and it was up for a good evening. They were going to have a great time, and right in the middle of it, they bring the golden and the silver cups out, and they begin to desecrate them, and God puts a screeching halt to everything. In comes the hand of God. And the hand begins to write. Meanie, meanie, tickle, you farson. They looked at it, but they couldn't understand it. They knew it was something written. They knew it was a message. But it was in a language that they did not understand. They needed an interpreter. I don't believe it was any accident that it was a man of God, that it was a praying man that explained what the message meant. <coughs> I know sometimes people that are new, the Bible can seem to be a little overwhelming. Where do I start? Where should I read? What, what does it all mean? What's the Old Testament versus the New Testament? Now, maybe that, that's ele uh, elementary to a lot of us that are in here today and you understand all that, but, but the average person walking on the streets, they don't even know where to start with the Word of God. They need somebody to interpret it. They need somebody to lead them. They need somebody to guide them, but too many of them are looking in places that are leading them astray. If you're going to have somebody explain to you what something in the Word of God means if you want somebody to explain to you the writings that are on the wall you better make sure it's a praying man or a praying woman somebody that has a relationship with God don't you go out there and find some book someplace don't you look for it on the internet someplace you find a man who will preach you the truth whether you like it or not you find a man that's anointed you find a man that is prayerful you find a man that has the power of God moving upon his life because you're not always going to like what the interpretation has to say. This is the interpretation of what was written. Meaning means God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Break it down real simply for us. God said, you're done. Now, I'm just talking from personal experience here, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but, but you know, back in, in school, I like to push the envelope just a little bit. You know, there were certain teachers you could get away with stuff a little bit more than others. And if I could get a laugh, you know, out of the class, or I could get something going on, you know, it was kind of fun. But every once in a while, you got that, you, that teacher would just... Uh, something had happened that day, maybe earlier, and they weren't in the mood for it. And they didn't give you strike two, strike three, or hey, sit down, be quiet, or you're going to get this. It was just like, you're done. Boom. You crossed the line. God looked at Belshazzar, knowing Maybe Belshazzar wasn't living for him. Maybe he wasn't living uh, a godly life. But, but, but he got to a place where God looked at him. He said, you know what? I can no longer allow this to continue. You're done. 
tikkun meant thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. And the one thing that you don't ever want to hear from God is for him to look at you and say, you're lacking. You're lacking. Euphorism means the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And what God was basically saying to him with that was, you're no longer in charge here. If you think about those three things right there, that's exactly the way it plays out in most people's life. They get by with it for a time, thinking everything is okay. They're playing the game, and, and God's not striking them dead, and nothing really bad's happened. They seem like they're having the time of their life. And all of a sudden, they get to the place where they get so full of themselves that they, cross a, that they step across a line that they should have never crossed. And all of a sudden, things come to a screeching halt. They're done. They're found lacking. And all of a sudden, they're not in charge of their life anymore like they thought they were. Things very rapidly spin out of control. You're done. You're lacking. Therefore, you are no longer in charge. I'm taking what was yours. And I'm dividing it up between two others. Hear me today. Don't be weary in well-doing. Now, up to this point, I've been talking to folks that, that need to make a stand. The, the, the devil's tried to sell you a bill of goods. He's tried to tell you, hey, don't worry about it. You've always got tomorrow. You just keep living your life. Don't worry about what all these people are doing or the way that they're worshiping or what that preacher has to say or what that lesson was talking about. You just keep on doing it. You're okay. Nothing's happened to you so far. Let me tell you something. Hey, man, I, I've talked to you a little bit that, that may be dealing with that, but now I'm going to talk to the church, and you've been sticking to it, and you've been living for God, and it's not been easy. Let me tell you something than anything of value usually isn't very easy. They don't make the Marines very easy to get into. They make it hard to get into because they're looking for people that will stand, that will stick, that will stay true to the course. But let me tell you, my friends, if you're living for God and the world is against you, look up for your redemption draws nigh. Amen. Your time is a coming. God's going to make everything that's crooked straight. He's going to reward those who diligently seek after him. Don't give up just because it seems like those around you are getting away with sinful lifestyles. Amen. David looked around and saw the same thing. He said, I almost backslid. When I looked around, I saw the prosperity of all the wicked people that are around me. They're living sinful lifestyles. They're cheating their neighbor. They're cheating on their wife or their husband. They're doing all this stuff and they're living it up and it seems like nothing's ever happens to them. It almost seems like they're blessed. Amen. He said, it wasn't until I went into the house of the Lord that I got my understanding. This is where you need to be if you want to understand what God is doing in your life and what he's trying to do in you. This is where you need to be. Or otherwise, you'll get confused by seeing everything that you see in this world. Don't worry about those that are seeming to get away with the things that they're doing. The writing's on the wall. 
writings on the wall. They just can't understand what it says. It takes an interpretation through the word. It's coming today when everything's going to be weighed out. Just in case you're wondering, you're not good enough, and neither am I. On our own, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There is not a single person save Jesus Christ, not even John, Brother Jones, as good as he was. Amen. What a great man. But John needed Jesus as much as Brother Bishop needs Jesus. He needed Jesus as much as Brother Hogan needs Jesus. He needed Jesus as much as Doug Rice needs Jesus. John needed a Savior just like we all need a Savior. On our own, we'll never balance out what sin has done in our life, but we have a one who has been become our leverage we have one who has given us weight who has given us power to overcome sin we have one that has helped us through his blood and our testimony to overcome the adversary mm, I feel the Holy Ghost you'll never be good enough that's why you need God to be good enough for you <laughs> That's why you need God. Because you can't be good enough on your own. You can't be great enough on your own. There's a lot of things that you might be able to accomplish on this world in this world. You might be smart, you might be educated, you might be a, a talented, you might be able to build, you might be able to lead, but there's coming a day where the Bible says every knee, no matter how smart they are, no matter what they've accomplished in this world, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and I'm bowing my knee right now today because I know I need him. I've read the writing that is on the wall. Hmm. All Belshazzar would have had to do was learn from his father's mistake and he could have lived his life. But tragedy awaits those who follow in the footsteps of another's failure. Tragedy awaits for those who follow in the footsteps of another's failure. This word is so precious. It's the writing that is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my pathway. Several thousand years ago, there was a hand that began to write it was the hand of a man, but the man wasn't, was only the instrument. It was God that was writing on the pages of this book. He was writing a, a letter of love and a letter of instruction. This Bible is used for sound doctrine. It's used for exhortation, but it's also used for reproof. It's also used to help get us where we need to be. It, it, it's everything that we need it to be. This word is precious because it is the writing that God gave us. Amen. David said it's, it's a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. David, why did David write that? I don't think it's an accident because David 
David could have been the same thing that Belshazzar was. He looked at the king that went before him and he said, I see myself going in the same direction, but no, I'm going to stop some things. And old Nathan had his bony finger pointed in David's face and he said, thou art the man. And instead of being like Saul and bucking up and saying, you know what? I'm going to do things my own way. I'm going to disregard the writing that is on the wall. David said, I am that man and I know I need God. He learned from his predecessor's mistake. From the writings that were on the wall. Acts 2 and 38 tells us the plan of salvation. (laughs) What must we do? I'm glad you asked. Repent. Every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The writing's there. The writing's on the wall. Salvation's plan has been given to us. It's been laid out. It's not going to change. It's already been given. Hey, Nicodemus. What are you going to do? You come to me in the middle of the night. You don't want everybody to see you, but you're kind of interested in the truth. You're seeing some things that you've never seen before. You've been, a, you're, you've been made to be a believer, so what are you going to do? And Nicodemus says, hey, I know that you're a teacher. And Jesus said, listen to me, boy. You need to be, ba- you need to be born of both the water and the spirit, or you can't see the kingdom of God. And he wrote it on the wall. Well, I believe in God. I believe in God. Yeah, so do the devils. So do the demons. They shake and they tremble at the mention of his name, but they're not going to be in heaven. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's what Paul said. He walked in to a great work. Man, they're having a time. It was a growing church. He was impressed. Like, I like what I see here. There's potential here. Tell me something. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? It's obvious you're believers. I'm sitting here. I've listened to to the preacher preach today. I've watched you all worship today. Have have any of you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we've not even heard so much uh, as there be anything such as the Holy Ghost. What's what's the Holy Ghost? What are you talking about, the Holy Ghost? He said, now wait. If you haven't received the Holy Ghost, then let me back up just a step and ask you, how were you baptized? You see, he starts digging a little bit. Why? Because it matters. It matters. He says, how were you baptized? He said, we were baptized under John's baptism. John, the second. Brother John said, probably the second greatest man in the Bible. John, the forerunner of Jesus. It doesn't get much better than that, right? 
Surely that's good enough. And Paul said, wait a second. That was what you used to do. But now Jesus Christ has come. And he took the entire congregation out. And he rebaptized every one of them in the name of Jesus. It was written on the wall for all to see, for all to understand. So why is it that so many interpret it wrong? why it's important to get your interpretation from a credible source otherwise you might have a Chaldean or a soothsayer telling you the wrong answer just because it's what they think you want to hear rather than telling you the truth even though it might not be exactly what you're looking for Rebaptize all of them in the name of Jesus and I lay hands on them. <laughs> and they do something real weird, real strange. They start speaking in tongues as they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hey, I, I'm here to tell you something. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, in my natural, in my natural, that's weird. To speak a language that you've never spoke before. In our natural state, in our natural way of thinking, in the world's way of thinking, that is strange. That is weird. Would you not agree? only reason that you, that, that you wouldn't agree is because you've experienced and you know how supernatural it really is. And you know that it is a God thing. And it's not something that is twisted up, but it was something that was written on the wall a long time ago. And we can't ignore it. And we can't misinterpret it. And we can't washed it away and wish it weren't there because God's hand is what wrote it there and we must leave it there and not just leave it there we must obey it in order to see the kingdom of heaven Belshazzar went from being the leader of a nation to standing in front of a crowd with his knees knocking together I'm not going to be sucked into thinking that this world's going to continue forever the way it is. It's already unstable. We just go on about our everyday lives doing the same thing that we've done over and over again. We just go through our routines, and they're good. I mean, I'm glad that we don't live in fear every single day. I don't want my children to be raised to be scared of everything, every little shadow, you know, are they coming for us, Dad? You know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, theorist or anything like that, but all I'm saying is this world is shakier than what we think it is. And in a moment's time, everything could change, just like it changed for Belshazzar. A lot can change in a moment. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. That's not me saying that. That's the word of God. The trumpet shall sound, Brother Jones. It's never happened before. It's never taken place before. There's no, there's no history. 
there's no such thing as a rapture that's ever happened before. But let me tell you one more time what the word of God. For the trumpet shall sound. Whether or not it's ever happened before, it's going to happen. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. What's going to change us? I'll tell you what's going to change us. For if that same spirit that dwelt in Jesus Christ dwell also in you, oh, hallelujah, there's going to be a transformation take place. Do you have it? Do you have the spirit? Have you obeyed the writings on the wall? Have you obeyed the Acts 2.38 message? Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Stand with me today. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. There's some things that are going to change. This old elbow that's hurting me right now. Keep changing arms. Ain't going to hurt me no more. The two people that are from this church that are in the hospital today visited hospitals because of problems in their body. It's not going to have those problems no more. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying they got their sayings back there too. The handwriting on the wall is one of our sayings from back then. But even back then, they had their sayings. And he writes the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Hear me today don't you move don't you be shaken don't you don't you let this world shake you up you be steadfast in what you know you be steadfast in the truth you don't uh, disregard the writing that is on the wall you look at it and you love it and you cherish it and you consume it be steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This world's having a big party. And they, they like to celebrate. They'll turn everything into a drunk fest that they can. We got national holidays every day of the year practically for everything. National Donut Day. Oh, let's go get a donut and let's drink. Everything's turned into a party and, and the world just keeps on spinning and it seems like nothing's really going uh, too haywire. It may seem like a party that this world is having, but the writing is on the wall. God's going to change everything in one single moment. Hallelujah. Fear will replace the feast for those that uh, never take the time to understand the writing is on the wall. But I got a feeling that today I'm with some folks here today that understand what has been written and you look at it and you cherish it and you don't disregard it you don't shove it under a rug someplace but you live by it and it's blessing you and let me tell you today you must regard the writing on the wall would you bow your heads right now I'm done 
And I really don't know what to expect from this point. I don't know if there will even be a response right now. We've already had a great altar call. But whether you respond at this moment or not, I'm praying God makes your heart miserable with this word and he will not let you go. I would rather you be miserable until you gave your heart to God than to die lost and be miserable for all eternity. Amen. God is trying to reach out to somebody today. You've been taken uh, and you've been shown some things in this world and, and you're looking at those around you and people that have gone before you and say it doesn't look so bad. They make it look so good. Let me tell you, all it takes is one right from the hand of God to change everything listen to this preacher right now there's coming a day in one moment that will change everything and the only thing at that point that will matter is which side you were on when that moment came Somebody needs to think. Is my salvation and election sure? Is it a landslide? Am I positive that my relationship with God is everything that it could be? Or am I puffed up with so much pride right now that He won't even allow me to move out of this pew that I'm sitting in? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.